0: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. This is Professor Robert D'Agostino, and the show is New Facts Matter. And uh, today I'm going to uh, talk about a threat or a potential threat. It is a threat, and it's also a potential threat uh, to to America and, and to the society. And, and that is, of course... One of the two religions that is now threatening, uh, in various ways, American interests or American life. And, of course, one of those, obviously, as we've talked about before, is progressivism, which, of course, is a religion. Since they have sacrament, abortion, they have uh, all sorts of uh, crazy ideas, uh, which they can be taken only on faith. Uh, things that uh, George Orwell talked about that only an intellectual could believe. But that's not what I'm going to talk about today. So I'm going to talk about Islam and, and, and the Muslim religion, Muslims in general, because we, we, we need to face some facts. And one of the facts we have to face is that Islamic civilization is completely incompatible with Western civilization. Western civilization, of course, is basically a Christian civilization with its Jewish roots, combined with Greek philosophy and Roman concepts of law. And the nothing, whereas Islamic civilization is based on a totalitarian religious doctrine, which is more than a religious doctrine. It's a political doctrine. And it's an economic doctrine. It's a cultural doctrine. It's an all-encompassing doctrine. It's a totalitarian doctrine. And... Uh, and it's come to America in, in, in uh, various guises, uh, supported uh, somewhat by our progressive religious adherence uh, for reasons uh, that are can be explained or sometimes not can be cannot be explained. Uh, but let me start with a quote. and This is a quote from Winston Churchill, and why we need to be concerned about Islamic civilization and how much of it is being translated to the United States more than you think, I'm afraid. And this is a direct quote. This is from his, I think it's from his books. Uh, I know it's from his book, Two Rivers. It's uh, an early book. I think he wrote 1899, as I recall, in the, main, the year of the book. And there's a two-volume set which has a real great description of Islamic civilization in about two or three paragraphs. And I'm not going to read that. I'm just going to read one thing from Winston Churchill, and I'm going to quote, when Muslims are in the minority, they are very concerned with minority rights. When they are in the majority, there are no minority rights. And I think one can see that uh, in, in, in the world. But well, let's get some little background before I get into the fact And by the way, the reason I'm talking about this is there's an unprecedented number of Muslims running for political office in this country. If you go to the Internet and go to Muslims running for political office, there's an entire list, names, what offices they're running for, and obviously most of them are Democrats. But the uh, back on the list I looked at, I didn't see any Republicans, but I'm sure there, there are a few. But the point is, um, is a huge list. The goal from Muslim groups, which I'll talk about, including the the Council on American Islamic Relations or CARE, C A I R, uh, is to get five thousand Muslim running for political office, which means that would be a significant presence in, in politics, particularly in the Democrat Party. Uh, so the uh, But let me give you some, let's get some background. And these are some facts about what's going on. And a lot of these facts come from the Pew Research. That's P-E-W, Pew Research. Pew Research is some of the best research internationally, in America America and internationally. Uh, And they're very careful and and they're very objective. There's there's never seen a political bias on Pew Research. They just report what they find. And... uh, Right now, according to the research they're publishing, muslims there are about one, uh, probably close to 1.8 billion Muslims in the world. About 24% of the world's population uh, claim to be uh, Muslims, and that's uh, not uh, far short of the total number of Christians. And some would say that the Muslim population has now exceeded the Christian population, um, according to uh, the research, uh, Pew Research. Uh, 10% of Europe will be Muslim by uh, 2050. So, in 30 years, Europe will be 10% Muslim. And by 2050, the number one country with an Islamic population will be India. It will be a minority, of course, but it will be 300 million projected Muslim population in India. Now, what about the United States? Uh... Pew says it's 3.45 million, which is about 1.1% of the U.S. population. Now, Muslim groups claim 5 million or 6 million, but they're exaggerating, I think, pretty clearly. Uh, We'll know more when the census comes out. But uh, uh, Pew says 3.45 million, 1.1% of the U.S. population. And the majority are immigrants, not native-born. But the majority of these are immigrants. Uh, the Obama administration flung open the door to Muslims. They were accepting Muslim re- refugees from the Middle East, uh, during the wars there while turning down Christian refugees. That's, uh, you can look that up. You can, you can uh, see what the Obama administration was doing. The, uh, um, so that would be 1.1% of the population today and by 2050, uh, they're Projected, the Muslims are projected to be 2.1 percent of the U.S. population, which would be in excess of the current uh, of the Jewish population at that time. Uh, now, they have uh, uh, this interesting little uh, questionnaire about what, how warm do you feel towards, what's your level of warmth towards Muslims, and it's from one, uh, you know, from zero, no, no level. To ten, 100% uh, feeling of warmth towards Muslims. And so what are the U.S. attitudes uh, towards Muslims? And uh, which, by the way, uh, have increased somewhat over the last 10 years. Uh, According to a survey by Pew, 48% of all Americans have a warm feeling towards Muslims. That's just a little less than the percentage of Americans who have a warm feeling towards atheists at 50%. But the real interesting thing is the division. Republicans and Republican leaners, warmth is rated at 39%. For the Democrats is rated at 56%. And concern about, uh, extremism. Republicans, 64% are concerned in the U.S. six, uh, about extremism in the U.S. 67% about extremism in the world. But the Democrats, extreme, extremism concerned in the U.S., 30%. In the world, 40%. Now that's, that's an interesting, I, I don't understand why it's not 100%, at least for the world, considering ISIS and Al Qaeda and the rest of them. But yet, only 40% of Democrats. American Democrats, Democratic leaders are concerned about extremism in the world, which is kind of interesting. And, uh, there is a, uh, uh, there's not, do, do, encouraging, encouraging violence, uh, internationally. Republicans think that, uh, 60, 63% of Republicans think there's, encourage, Islam encourages violence. Democrats, 26%, which certainly indicates how ignorant Democrats are. These Democrats supposedly have all these, you know, highly educated, I would say highly credentialed, I think educated, it should be left to those who are educated, who know something, who've read some books. Being credentialed is not being educated. So Democrats, of course, uh, the intellectual class uh, are, uh, largely Democrats. And the intellectual classes, I think George Orwell said, uh, there are some things only an intellectual would believe. And that describes the Democrats for sure. Uh, and you go to, uh, universities and you look at the departments of, of, uh, sociology, psychology, English, and, uh, the dominated by Democrats, and of course they consider themselves very intellectual and just because they're intellectuals and they're history professors or sociology professors or English professors doesn't mean they know much of anything. And I think the fact that uh, only 26% of Democrats thinks that Islam encourages violence is kind of an interesting uh, topic because uh, an interesting number, uh, if one reads, bothers to read the Quran and the Hadith, the Sunnah all those, uh, crucial, uh, textbooks, uh, and, uh, of Islam, and of course not, not, a, and where the Sharia law comes from, and we'll talk about that later. Now, the, uh, as far as discrimination is concerned, the Republicans think there's some discrimination against, uh, Muslims in this country, 49%. The Democrats who think there's discrimination, 85%. But of course, Democrats are all into, uh, Victim, victim groups. I, I love victim groups. Identity politics is all about finding victim groups and classifying them so that every group has a, a complaint against somebody. Uh, the problem for the Democrats has always been that, you know, who is the oppressor? Who, who is the, who is the, who, who oppresses all these victim groups? Who's the, who's the evil group? And of course, who's left? White, heterosexual males. And, uh, the, The other thing is um, Islamic civilization. 65% of Republicans believe that Islamic civilization is incompatible with Western civilization. Only 30% of Democrats think that, which means that Democrats are far more ignorant than Republicans. How about support for Sharia law? Now, Sharia law is what the... And Muslims want to impose, or lot, radical Muslims anywhere, political Muslims, want, politicized Muslims, want to impose on the countries that they're in, uh, they should be ruled by Sharia law. And, uh, talking about incompatibility, you know, Sharia law, women are the property of men, uh, gays should be hung, things of that sort. And, uh, you can, lying is perfectly okay, and we'll get to this idea of lying in a minute. Uh, if, if you lie to a non-Muslim and it furthers the interests of the Muslim or Islam in general, lying is just fine. Uh, Sharia support. Well in in Russia, forty two percent of the Muslims in Russia are, are want to impose Sharia on the whole country. In Malaysia it's eighty six percent. In Thailand it's seventy seven percent. Indonesia it's seventy two percent. In Afghanistan is ninety nine percent. So why are we there? We can't possibly establish a system in Afghanistan that would recognize the equality of women, or, or, or that it's or that it's, it's wrong to hold have slaves. We can't do it. Ninety nine percent of Afghan Af, Afghani's want to impose Sharia law. So this idea that we can nation build this this the second Bush and Obama who stayed there. Why? I mean. Get out. And, uh, Trump is doing it, and thank goodness he's doing it. There's nothing. We need to leave them to, to, to their slavery, to their women, uh, our, our, our property. We can't do anything about it. And so, they want to raise their poppies, good. Let them raise their poppies, and uh, we'll intercept them on the high seas. Uh, and, and whatever else they want to do in Afghanistan that is incompatible with what we think is right.
1: Robert, let's, uh, let's let the folks think about that while we take a break and, uh, we'll be back with Robert D'Agostino and Do Facts Matter right after this. This is America's Web Radio. Would you like to have a show, talk about your business, or express your opinion on America's Web Radio? Just email gm at americaswebradio.com and we'll get back to you. Thank you.
0: This is Robert D'Agostino back with Do Facts Matter. And I'm talking about uh, uh, Islam, and I'm talking about Islam because of the number of Muslims who are now running or <clears throat> attempting to run for political office. Uh, the Muslim groups are trying to get up to 5,000 uh, Muslim candidates for uh, various offices, uh, uh, House of Representatives, state legislative offices, uh, uh, the Minnesota Attorney General is, uh, is a Muslim. And, uh, they have, uh, a lot of, uh, running. They want to establish an influence. So it's very important to believe, to understand for the American people to understand what Islam is all about. And I'll repeat it. This Islamic civilization as practiced, is totally it, not in the United States necessarily, but elsewhere, we'll talk about what's happening in the United States shortly, uh, is incompatible with Western civilization. It's a totalitarian system. It's not merely religious. There's no separation of church and state or or mosque and state. There's no separation of the economic system from the religious system. There's no separation of cultural. There's no separation of any aspect of life from religious control in in a Muslim society. Now, and just as a side thing, by the way, uh, in this country, um, you know, a lot of violence in Islamic society is particularly directed against uh, Christians, and actually also within the Muslim uh, community, Sunnis and Shiites uh, have been at war with each other for, for many, many years, uh, uh, Iran being a Shiite state, Saudi Arabia Sunni state, for example, and in Iraq, the Sunnis and, and Shiites, uh, there's a lot of uh, both uh, I think it's a slight majority of uh, Sunnis, but uh, historically the Shiites have have ruled there. But uh, Iran, of course, backs the Shiites, but the Shiites and Sunnis are pretty well balanced in Iraq. And going back to violence, in the United States, 8% of, of U.S. Muslims admit that they condone violence some of the time or all of the time. Against non-Muslims, eight percent. That's the ones who admit it, and we'll talk about whether that's an accurate number, or whether that number not much higher. But that talked about that. And by the way, just as a uh, sidelight, like, uh American Muslims, sixty-six percent of them identify as Democrats, thirteen percent as Republicans. But of course, the mm-hmm. remainder either not saying or saying they're independent. So we get 66% Democrats, 13% identify as Republicans, which is kind of interesting. So the Democrat Party, in terms of religious affiliation, the Democrat Party attracts the vast majority of Muslims, the vast majority of Jews, and the vast majority of atheists. Yes, atheism is a religion, too. It absolutely is. So, so they have uh, the Democrats and uh, religious Muslims, Jews, and atheists, which is kind of interesting since, uh, uh certainly in the Middle East, Jews and, uh, Muslims don't get along, that's for sure. Okay, well let's, um let's take a look at what guides Muslims. And I want to talk a little bit about that because I want to tell you about some stories that I know. The Quran, of course, is number one. And that, of course, is, uh, the Quran says the Muslims was handed down by Allah to Muhammad its re- re- revelation and the Quran does says the the uh, Muslims must obey Muhammad and by the way uh, the muslim the Quran is not is not necessarily consistent the chapters of the Mus- uh, of the Quran are called uh, surahs and there are a number of very peaceful sounding surahs in, in, in the Quran. And then there are many violent ones. Uh, Surah 9, for example, is the violence, most violent of the surahs. And we'll talk about that in a minute. So, so when a, a Muslim cleric, cleric or a Muslim uh, says, well, the Quran is peaceful, there should be no compulsion in the, in the uh, issue of religion, and, and, and we should be friendly to everybody, yeah, there there are those surahs in the Quran. However, we had a, some, uh, a couple of years ago, two, maybe three years ago, there was a legend scholar giving a talk at a synagogue before a very large group. He was a visiting scholar about Islam and Christianity and Judaism. And he was talking about, oh, it's all the same. And he started with, uh, some of this, uh, various, uh, p- uh precepts and, and honest, uh, and, and, friendly and, and, and peaceful, peaceful, uh, surahs. And I raised my hand and I said, well, uh, uh, professor, who's a professor from some Ivy League school or something. I said, professor, uh, why don't you explain abrogation? And Abrogation is a surah in the Quran that says Allah will abrogate what he will. That means the latest surahs, the later revelations to Muhammad trump the earlier ones. The earlier ones had a number of peaceful, a number of tolerant surahs. The later ones do not. So Allah decided When Mohammed was subject to a a control by non-Muslim majorities, Medina. Remember, he went Medina and Mecca with the two places where uh, uh, Mohammed he eventually took over Mecca uh, after lying, of course, to to the people in Mecca that he wouldn't do it. Um, The what, what happened, uh, was that, uh, the, when he was driven out of uh, Medina and went to Mecca, uh, and, and he had to take control. But once he, when he was in Medina before he got majority, uh, majority, he was seemingly very tolerant, uh, very much a part of the community. And of course he changed that. And therefore, Allah was giving him these revelations that sounded just fine. Once he had control, Allah's revelations changed, and they were, got quite violent in a lot of places and quite intolerant. So the Quran says Muhammad must obey, and must obey what? Well, the Hadith is a narrative of the Prophet's life. This is how, this is how it's defined by Islamic scholars, you can look it up, Hadith, H-A-D-I-T-H, is a narrative of the prophet's life and what behavior is approved of. Now the Hadith, if you read it, there are, par- there are uh, sections of the Hadith that justify rape, slavery, looting, the Jizra, that's the tax for uh, non-believers, Christian and Jews, actually. If you're uh, not a Christian, Jew, or a Sabbatean, uh, you, uh, you, just, just another infidel, pagan, you just get killed. I mean, non-Muslims have a choice. If they're Jews or Christians, they can pay the, the tax and agree to be sub, uh, submi- s- submission to, to Muslims. If you're uh, not a Jew or Christian, or if you're an irreligious Jew or Christian, then of course, you don't convert to Islam; you just get killed. Uh, uh, Jews and Christians are talked uh, are referred to as people of book, but there's a lot of hostility towards them uh, in the Hadith. There's two places in the Hadith where uh, Muhammad calls for killing all the Jews. Uh, I don't think he necessarily one one is a famous one where he says, you know, the Jew will hide behind a rock; the rock will say, "Come, Muslim; the Jew, come, believer." the Jews behind the rock, come and kill him. Uh, so uh, if you read the Quran and, and the Hadith together, you, you may be able to restrict that for non-religious Jews and Christians. But anyway, it's still... And of course, the third thing is the Sunnah, S-U-N-N-A-H, which is the way of life, the kind of religious track. But Quran says you, you follow the, 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 the teachings, you follow the behavior of and obey Muhammad and Hadith, is a narrative of what Muhammad believed and what he did. And uh, the Hadith is a pretty (laughs) scary book, I'm telling you. Read it. Just plug in the Hadith and Jews, the Hadith and Christians, the Hadith and slavery, the Hadith and rape. I mean, Muhammad says it's okay to rape the women of uh, captured soldiers. When you defeat the soldiers, that's part of your booty or your loot or, or, or your gift from Allah. You can go ahead and rape them. Uh, it's, it's perfectly okay. But it does say that if you have to get them uh, pregnant, you can't sell them into slavery right away. You have to wait till they have the, the baby. Um, so all, with all this background, and by the way, uh, interesting uh, word that you hear bandied about is taqiyya, T-A-Q-I-Y-Y-A. Which means conceal, concealing or disguising one's belief. And often that's, people will say, well, that's a word, and in fact it comes from the Arabic, that's a word that allows or Muslims to lie to non-Muslims, to scheme and lie. Now you'll get this, well, no, it's nowhere in the Quran. Well, that's true. And it's a Shiite word. So we Sunnis don't do that. Well, that's of course untrue. They may not use that word. In fact, they have a different word for Sunnis. It's makara, M-A-K-A-R-A, and it means scheming. Anything that would, uh, help a Muslim or help the Islamic religion, you can lie about. You can lie to dissemble, scheme, and, and, uh, and, and there, and, and the sh- Sharia allows it. There's an actually uh, an area of the Sharia that specifically says it advances the interests of a Muslim or the Islamic religion, you can lie, uh, if you think so, if it helps you, um, uh, you can, you should never take a Christian or a Jew as a friend. That's in the Hadith. Uh, and later on, you can, you can, you can make believe you're friendly if, if it benefits you. The, um, uh, Allah, Allah himself is, uh, described, described in the Quran, and uh, that's Surah three, uh, verse 54 as uh, scheming and with guile and and uses guile and deceit to advance the cause of Islam
1: so Robert we're gonna have to stop on that one and uh, we'll be back with defects matter and this is extremely interesting and um, we'll have this show posted uh, Monday so you can listen to it again but uh This is scary information, and we have to put a stop to it. Not to what Robert's saying, but a stop to the Muslims and what they're trying to do to our country. We'll be back right after this.
0: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. This is Robert D'Agostino back with Do Facts Matter? And that introduction that we just had from uh, David uh, Boxley, who uh, runs uh, America's Web Radio, about uh, we got to be careful about uh, what do Muslims want to do to this country. And, of course, the leading Islamic group in this country, which I'm now going to talk about, is care C-A-I-R, the Council of American Islamic Relations. And what is the Council of American Islamic Relations? It claims to be a civil rights organization, but it was actually founded by the Muslim Brotherhood, which is a terrorist-supporting group out of the Middle East, and tied up with Hamas. Now, we'll talk a little bit about this, but I... Before I do about what what they do, what they believe, and, w- and, and what they're trying to do, let me point out to you that the Obama administration, the Obama administration, spent years courting Care, C A I R. They were courting Care. Uh, they included Care at White House meetings on civil rights. They bowed down to Care when Care said we have to eliminate references to Islamic terrorism just call it terrorism, or politicized uh, uh, Islam in all the training manuals for uh, intelligence groups. Uh, they protested against any references to the violence being committed by Muslims, uh, honor killings, for example, which are endemic to the Muslim world. Uh, all this stuff had to go, and the Obama administration included care and representative care in discussions about civil rights and about uh, discrimination in America while excluding Muslim reform groups. Uh, for example, there's a group actually called themselves the Muslim Reform Movement, and they were excluded from the White House when Obama was there. Uh, th- they're a group that calls for Muslims to de- denounce use of violence and to accept Uh, American constitutional norms, and they were excluded, excluded by the Obama administration. Anyway, CARE, Council of American Islamic Relations, claims to be a civil rights organization. However, in 1998, CARE founder Omar Ahmed publicly stated that Islam is not in America to be equal, but to dominate. It's the founder of CARE. Right? CARE is, in fact, a front organization for the Muslim Brotherhood, a radical Islamist organization with ties to terrorism in the Middle uh, East, particularly with Hamas. In fact, Hamas and, and the Muslim Brotherhood are one and the same. And what the Muslim Brotherhood... Uh, which was founded in Egypt, as I recall, is uh, is their goal is to s- engage in civilization jihad, which is uh, something a word the FBI used in 1991, civilization jihad to bring down America from within and gradually ensure the implementation of Sharia law. Of course, the mother, Muslim Brotherhood, of course, hides behind care. And of course left wing groups stay back care ACLU oh care is a civil rights group oh well no, yeah yeah they don't they condemn violence, yeah, but they don't condemn the organizations that commit the violence there's a difference between condemning violence and condemning the organization that commit the violence, so just you know we got we got to protect them from discrimination they're just another victim group, another victim of white, heterosexual, male Christians, presumably. And, uh, and of course, the Democrats love and the left loves victim groups, Get as many as they can. Divide and conquer is their, their idea. And so I like they think they're using uh, Muslim groups like CARE to achieve the power they want in this country, but it's CARE who's using them to achieve their goals slowly but surely. They're very patient. Let's see here. Um, let's let's uh, let's take a look at some of the things that care has done and, and care has said. The uh, uh, care member, a very uh, high ranking care member, uh, is uh, uh, Nihad Awad A W A D, and he openly voices his support for the terrorist group Hamas. Well, of course, Muslim Brotherhood, Hamas care, they're all offshoots the of each other. Muslim Brotherhood is the parent organization. Uh, there's a Hamas defector named Mossab Hassan, who of course was unwelcome in the White House when Obama was there. Uh, Mohab Hassan, I, I, I guess his last name was Yosef. Yeah, Mohas, Mohab Hassan Yosef. And he talked in an interview, and he talked about Hamas and motherhead, and Muslim Brotherhood, excuse me, one of the same. CARE Communications Director Ibrahim Hooper openly supports Saudi financial aid for the families of suicide bombers. Now, the Saudis have pretty well cut that out, I think. Several leading members of CARE now sit in prison. In the Holy Land Trial, Holy Land Foundation Trial, this was supposedly a charitable organization to help Palestinians, was funneling money to terrorist groups in the Middle East. And uh, uh, that trial of the Holy Land Foundation, uh, there was guilty verdicts on 108 Muslims for raising funds for terrorist organizations in the Middle East. And many of those convicted were top members of the Islamic Organization. Like CARE. Now I've, I've, these notes are, these are coming from various sources which I've, uh, accessed on the internet and otherwise, uh, in, in books and statements by the actually groups like CARE and I've kind of summarized them in for, for the show. Now what did CARE do? Did they condemn jihadist groups? No. In fact, what they did was, was criticize the U.S. government, the Justice Department, for closing these alleged charity, charity groups. These alleged charity groups led by the Holy Found, Holy, uh, <clears throat> Holy Land Foundation were funneling money to terrorists. And CARE said, you unfair to pick on them. So CARE, is part of an Islamic supremacist movement. That means, therefore, the complete takeover of the country by Sharia law, the imposition of Sharia law. What about care? I mean, does anybody really recognize them as terrorists? Yes. In fact, uh, the United Arab Emirates at one point, and I think it's still uh, on the books, uh, classified care as a terrorist group. And uh, seven board members of Care were arrested, denied or denied entry into the U.S., or found guilty of terrorist activities. Seven. seven. Okay. That's uh, and of course in the Holy Land trial, they were found as unindicted co-conspirators with terrorist organizations or, or funding, fund, uh, sending funds. So what, what 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 should we do? I think it's fair game to ask any Muslim running for office whether he believes that Sharia law should be imposed on America, or whether he believes that Muslim communities should operate according to Sharia law, or how he feels about these terrorist organizations. You're, you're going to get very hostile responses. You're going to say, "Oh, you're Islamophobic." You're going to be attacked personally. And, of course, the press uh, will will uh, will not uh, not support you because they won't ask those questions. I mean, to ask those questions would be not PC. I mean, after all, it's PC to think these uh, people uh, are... to uh, ask those kinds of questions of these peaceful Muslims. Well, you know, most American Muslims, of course, are peaceful. They want to make money. They want to have families. But uh, remember what I said at the beginning, 8% of American Muslims... Will, will, uh, admit to condoning violence against non-Muslims, either sometimes or all the time. Now what about, uh, this idea would Muslim mean peace? No, it doesn't. Muslim means submission. What Muslim, what Islam means is you submit to the will of Allah and then you will have peace, personal peace. But Islam means submit. So you submit to the will of Allah. That means you follow Allah, Sharia law in everything you do. Um, and you know, if you, if, you, if you take a look at the behavior of, of in some Muslim communities, I mean, there are Muslim communities in Minnesota where non-Muslims dare not show up. There are gangs of young Muslim men in England, in Sweden who think it's perfectly okay to rape non-Muslim women because they are dressed in modest belief. And they get their justification for that from the Hadith. I mean, Muhammad had no problem with raping of infidel women or taking them as slaves, concubines. And by the way, in 2003, one of the uh, Muslim clerics, uh, scholars, one of the Muslim scholars, and I don't remember his name, I just remembered this at this moment, when he was asked about slavery, he said, "Well, it's ridiculous to think that Muslims don't believe in slavery. I mean, Muhammad had slaves. Muhammad gave slaves as booty to brave soldiers. Uh, slaves were traded and sold uh, <clears throat> freely in, in, in uh, Muhammad's time and, and thereafter. I mean, I mean, wh- where did most of the American slaves come from? They slave markets." And who ran the slave markets? Muslims. The Arabs would come down and and would uh, would attack and and uh, capture uh, African black Africans and sell them as slaves. Uh, and uh, I mean, it's ridiculous to think, uh, uh, you know, a bunch of white sailors would would uh, get off a ship and go around collect uh, blacks and slaves. They had to buy them. They either bought them from uh, 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 other blacks the coastal, coastal tribes who, who uh, attacked the inter- interior tribes, well, they bought them on uh, slave markets run by uh, the Muslims. And, and, and to this day, look, go look it up. Don't listen to me. Look it up. Slavery in Muslim areas. There are rumored slave markets to this day in Mauritania and to this day in North Sudan. There are slaves in Morocco, and there, there is a, uh, a couple of watchdog groups that, that are tra- tra- tracking this. In fact, uh, one of our, our our religious groups in this country uh, made a practice of raising money to buy people out of slavery in North Sudan, return them to their families in South Sudan. So, there is slavery is not, you know, slavery is not uh, uh, dead in the world today. Uh, remember that. Um, Wilberforce in in England, it was the English who stopped the slave trade out of religious, for religious motives, Christianity. John Quincy Adams, former president, sixth president of the United States, defended uh, the uh defended the, uh, sailors, I'm sorry, the, uh, name of the ship, Amistad, the Amistad, uh, uh, Slaves, they were taken as slaves and they rebelled and he defended them before the Supreme Court. They, they were housed at churches and among Christians in, in New England and uh, they were found not uh, guilty. They were freed by the U.S. Supreme Court and their attorney was John Quincy Adams. By the way, just as an aside, John Quincy Adams, our sixth president, was probably the single most intelligent man to ever be in the presidency. I know people talk about Jefferson. Yes, Jefferson was a very superior. Lincoln, tremendously superior, and they may those three may have been the three most intelligent. But that doesn't mean people like Clinton, Obama, Nixon, John Adams—they all had very high in, intelligence motions. But to be in the class with uh, John Quincy Adams, probably not. Maybe only Jefferson and Lincoln. Uh, I mean, John Qu- Quincy Adams spoke five languages. He was a brilliant Secretary of State before he became President, and I always kind of talk to my historian friends, say the, the first real wrong turn the America made was when they uh, replaced John Quincy Adams with Andrew Jackson. Yeah, John Quincy Adams vigorously opposed to slavery, brilliant uh, uh, in, in his uh, foreign policy, uh, and, uh, and and who he gets replaced by. Andrew Jackson, a vicious slaveholder, double-crossed the Cherokee Indians, precipitated the Depression. I mean, and he was the big hero of the Democrat Party for years and years. Jefferson, Jackson Day dinners, remember? Holy cow. What a guy.
1: <laughs> with that, we're going to have to uh, stop, Robert, and uh, take a break. We're up against a hard break. We'll be back right after this with more of Do Facts Matter and Robert D'Agostino. okay folks let's have some fun on america's web radio we love idioms and we want yours so send it in go into uh, our homepage. look under the flag at the banner and uh, click on idioms and send us your idiom today
3: thanks
1: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the americasbroadcastnetwork.com. Thank you for listening.
0: This is Robert D'Agostino back with Do Facts Matter, and uh we're talking a little bit about uh, beliefs and I'm going to go and, and read from the hadith, which is the uh uh behavior and 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 the behavior of and and the life of Muhammad. Uh, the The perfect uh, man, according to to Muslim theology, uh, but before I do it, was kind of interesting. Uh, we talked about history, John Quincy Adams, and Obama at one point President Obama at one point, said that that Islam is woven into the fabric of America, which is total nonsense, total nonsense and the the first significant contact with Muslims occurred when Jefferson sent the Navy. The Marines after the Barbary pirates. You remember, Stephen Decatur was an American hero. You remember what happened that, uh, the, the Barbary pirates were attacking ships on the high seas and enslaving the, uh, the sailors. And, uh, they had attacked whatever they can get away with. Uh, we didn't have too much trouble when we, uh, England was the mother country before the revolution. English ships, uh, helped protect American ships. And then uh, the French ships helped protect American ships, but the French got mad at us when we uh, uh, refused to join them in, in the war against England later on. So they quit uh, with American ships. So the Barbary pirates, well, you know, why attack English ships and French ships when we can attack American ships and so they have no protection? And the U.S. government paid blackmail, paid tribute to the Barbary pirates at one point. 25% of the gross national product was being paid to Barbary pirates so that they would quit attacking American ships and enslaving American sailors and maybe giving some back. Of course, uh, un- under the doctrine of uh, Takiyah, which we talked about, they lied about the fact that they wouldn't do it and just kept doing it anyway. So finally, Jefferson said enough was enough, and he, sh- and he sent the, 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 the ships so I think in terms of significance, it convinced the United States that we needed Marines to protect our interests and protect our citizens overseas. So in that sense, you know, it was a uh, it influenced American military policy because Stephen Decatur, not only did he attack the And by the way, Jefferson said when he wished sailors off, he said Chase the Barbary pirates all the way to Tripoli. That's where that marine song came from, the, the shores of Tripoli. Jefferson said, "Chase them to Tripoli," uh, and uh, he met he met them and the they were freed. And not only were they were American sailors freed, he freed French and he freed English sailors. Whoever he could free, he freed. And on his way back, he actually dropped uh, some sailors off in France and in England. In both countries, he was greeted as a hero. And then he came back with to this country. So in terms of being woven into the fabric of America, I guess you could say that, that the Barbary pirates were woven into the, uh, the permanent uh, establishment of the Marines. Um, I, it, I mean, this kind of not, just like the second, look, the second Bush saying Islam is a religion of peace. No, it isn't. It's re Churchill, Read some other people who who, uh, who understand what was going on in the world. It's not the religion of peace. Individual Muslims can be very friendly to foreigners, but it's not the religion of peace. On the contrary, uh, let me read you, read you from the hadith. This is why you need to ask Muslims running for office where they stand on Sharia law, where they stand on the position of Sharia law, where they stand on. Uh, uh, Recognize constitutional norms where they stand on these issues, and yeah, a lot of them are going to lie to you because that's part of their religion is to lie if it advances the interest of a Muslim. The hadith. This is this is Muhammad speaking. I have been ordered by Allah to fight with people till they bear testimony to the fact that there is no god but Allah. The, again, the Hadith, fight against those who disbelieve in Allah, make a holy war, that's known as jihad, yes, it's a religious responsibility. The person who participates in Allah's cause, namely in battle, will be recompensed by Allah either with reward or booty, or will be admitted to paradise, either with reward, and what's the booty? The booty is anything from gold silver furniture clothes to human beings this is also hadith wherever you find infidels kill them for whoever kills them shall have reward on the day of resurrection read that again wherever you find infidels kill them does that sound like Isis does that sound like al-qaeda No Ummah, that's a mem- that's a Ummah is a, a member of the M- Muslim community. Uh, no Ummah shall should be killed for killing a k- k- kafir, that's an infidel. Whoever changes his Islamic religion, kill him. Have you heard about that? Apostates from Islam getting murdered, having to go into hiding. So if you convert from Islam to Christianity, you got to go into hiding. Of of course, a lot of women have to go into hiding because their brothers, fathers, uncles, aunts are out to kill them. Those are honor killings because they somehow dishonored the family. And women are with the dishonor. So if a woman, an Islamic woman goes out in a religious family, goes out with a non-Muslim, that's dishonor of the family, especially if it's a non-chaperone date, and the only way to restore the honor is to beat her or kill her. And we've had a number of honor killings in this country. Look it up. Just put honor killings by Muslims and you'll find a list. Uh, and talking to the Jews, he said, you should know that the earth belongs to Allah and his apostle. And I wish to expel you from this land, Arabia. Well, well, well. Now we know why the Palestinians will never agree to peace, at least the leadership, because Muhammad says they've got to expel the Jews from the land of Arabia. they got to go. No no two-state solution. No peace with Israel. They have to go. We have to drive them into the sea. That's, That's what Yasser Arafat used to tell his followers when he spoke in Arabic to them. When he spoke to the suckers in the Western world, mainly liberals, he would say something else. How much peace... I can remember when the Oslo Peace Accords were signed, and I was at that point, uh, uh, talking, uh, I, I had, there's a meeting, and one of the leading uh, Jewish activists in Atlanta was at this meeting, a very nice woman, she's just a terrific lady, and, uh, she, uh, was just all gushing, oh, we're talking to them, this is wonderful, this is wonderful. I looked at her and said, this is the worst thing Israel's done, Israel will ha- will regret those peace accords for a lot of years to come. And sure enough, peace accords will let Arafat to come back to the Middle East from exile in Spain. And, and I think in France, excuse me, exile in France and started the Intifada. the First one. So it was a disaster for Israel. It gave a lot of Israelis false hope. And in, in, instead of, you know, dealing with the, the, the problems that, that they had in, in a way that, was rational. You know, unfortunately, uh, there's got to be a winner and a loser. And uh, if Israel is to survive, the uh, Palestinians, uh, at least Hamas, has to be a loser. Uh, and let me... Uh, another... This is also uh, uh, about the same to- to- uh, topic. And this is the... Um, Umar, the... Mes- uh, heard the messenger of Allah, that's Muhammad, say... Quote, I will expel the Jews and Christians from the Arabian Peninsula and will not leave any but Muslims. Well, there you go. There's, there's two parts of the Hadith that, that say this, that similar things. Uh, and this is, uh, uh this is Al-Atollah uh, Khomeini, was the, uh, took over Iran for the uh, Islamic, make it an Islamic state. I'm going to quote from him because I think this will be very interesting. Those who know nothing about Islam pretend that Islam counsels against war. Those people are witless. Islam says, kill all the unbelievers just that they would kill you all. Does this mean that Muslims should sit back until they are devoured by the infidel? Islam says, kill them, put them to the sword, and scatter them. Islam says, whenever good there exists thanks to the sword. The sword is the key to paradise. Which can be opened only for holy warriors. Does all this mean that Islam is a religion that prevents men from waging wars? I spit upon those foolish souls who make such a claim. This is the leader of Iran. This is the same country that Obama f- funded with over $1 billion that they spent on terrorist activities. This is a, this is a country that Obama administration allowed to develop a nuclear weapon under a delayed schedule, in other words, kick the can down the road.
1: Well, we're going to have to kick that can down the road. We've run out of time, Robert. Uh, okay. I- well,
0: I hope uh, that uh, the, the you know the listeners have heard something and understand that they have to take a look in this country at what the Muslims are up to, what Care is up to, and ask. I'm not saying the Muslims running for office all believe in all this stuff and all believe in su- the supremacy of Islam, but they need to be asked. Thank
1: you. You got it. And uh hope you'll take this su- subject up again in uh, one of your coming shows. You're listening to America's Web Radio. We thank you for listening. And uh, tomorrow we've got the uh, classic car show and a lot of great programs. So stay tuned and uh, don't get too bored in your house. Listen to America's Web Radio.